is the Schaefer Baseball Report, an inside look at America's pastime. From Little League all the way to the big leagues. Now here's your host, former Major League infielder Jeff Schaefer. All right, well, welcome everybody to the Schaefer Baseball Report. This is a special, special edition week. Special edition. Yeah, so yeah, that's we, right. got, uh, we got Dusty Wathen in the studio today. And um, on Thursday we're going to have... Um, Russ Steedley, head coach at Queens, getting ready to go into his first game as a head coach. Nice. Uh, he'll be here. And then we're, we're trying to figure out if we're going to do Friday or not. Andrew's concerned about content, but you and I never had. <laughs> we, we, we're never short on, we're never short on whatever. We just make it up. But, uh, so, <laughs> Coach Ray Torres, Rayto from the block, uh. like J-Lo from the block, Dusty. <laughs> Andrew One Tools Ike and then Dusty Wathen, third base coach for the Philadelphia Phillies, and uh, we appreciate you coming here because I know when we talked the other day, uh, you were kind of getting ready to gear up and get out of here. Um, now it seems like things are bank- bouncing back and forth, but still on the same timeline to, to go down to the spring training and get going? Yeah, as of now, I think um, I got to be out of here next Friday, the 12th. And so, you know, always the last couple weeks, there's always things to do that you. You think you're going to have time to do and yeah. things around the house that you need to get done. So it's full tilt. Plus, you know, with uh, a couple kids at home doing school virtually, it's. Uh, you so know, you're a teacher now, yeah, too? Yeah, a little bit. Not a very good one. <laughs> not a very good that, one. I know that was not my calling, was to be a fifth grade math teacher, that's for sure. So did you get enough family time in this, oh, yeah, this yeah, off yeah. season? It's been great. I mean, it's I saw great. you guys went down to the beach, which is nice. And, you know. Yeah, we got away a couple times. Um, luckily, you know, where we live here, it's great because you can hop in a car and, and drive to the mountains, drive yeah. to the beach and be outside. And it's kind of uh, protects you a little bit from COVID having to get in a plane so, or anything. So, you it's know, good. your family, your family, your kids are in school here, um, one in college, one getting ready to go to college, a senior. Then the two others are everybody's home and you're they don't usually travel. They come up and visit you during the season. So people don't realize that, you know, you separate from your family for a period of time. Um, it's, it's, it's not an easy life and people think it's a glamorous life and it's great because you're in the big leagues and you're doing all this other stuff and you're traveling around but in reality it's, it's a job and it's you know it, it consumes you so you know that's important that you know you get to spend that time with them you know you and I have talked many times about you know just different parts of the game but what we're seeing now and we're, we're incorporating a lot of things and I want to ask you about it is there is technology involved in every level of the game and it's you know, everybody talks about, well, you know, if we're looking to buy something, they go, well, we got X amount of major league teams that have this, and um, and they use it, you know, on a regular basis. But sabermetrics has played into a lot. You get a lot of information prior to every game, probably now prior to every, you know, to the season. But give us a little bit of detail on, you know, on, on what you get on a daily basis as a third-base coach and, uh, and a position guy coach. Well, I think, first of all, a lot of it is generated through stat casts and things like that. So, like, a lot of the stuff is factual. You know, it, it's, it is what happened. It's not like a scouting report where you're banking on this guy looking at something and saying, hey, we think this guy runs that fast. Now it's this guy runs X feet per second. So uh, a lot of it is factual stuff. So I get um, the first report is an advance report from our advanced scouting department, which is all done in-house now. And Mike Kalitri does a tremendous job with us. And he travels with us. And it's almost all done video on video now. So almost all advanced scouting is done on video. I think there might be one or two teams out there that maybe still have an advanced scout like in the ballparks. But most everything's video now. Video and we just switched over to Hawkeye instead of um, StatCast. So it's a different, different supposed to be better. Um, so. The, the, the information, the information that you're getting, it's is it, it it's not it's not static. So you're talking about video, right? Mm-hmm. So 
are you on the day of a that a team's coming in for a series? Are you going and taking yourself into a video room and you're analyzing videos of, of outfielders' throws? Because you're a third-base coach, so you want to know you know which way they move, which way they don't. So are you watching video like that, or are you just getting an idea of, like we used to go, okay, plus arm, don't run on them, you know? Yeah. No, so what I do is it's usually a couple days before that series. So I'm usually about a, half a series ahead, you know? Um, so what I do is I first off, I'll find out who, who their four or five outfielders are. I'll start watching the video on them. Uh, we have two different places I watch video. One is from a game, uh, game plan. It's an app that our video guys uploads a bunch of clips to and I'll watch those. Then I go to, we have an internal system called Rocky and I can filter things through. So I'll filter all throws to home from all those outfielders. And then after I've done all that, I'll go to our internal scouting system and see what their grades are on them and their comments and see what they've seen. And from there, you've kind of figured out you know, okay, this is how the guy throws coming home, you know, and you've seen, you know, some guys maybe going to their left trying to throw home don't throw as well. Some guys maybe going to their right, they throw better. Uh, infielders typically, converted infielders typically backhand the ball better and throw it to the plate um, than most guys do. I just noticed that over the years. So, yeah, there's kind of a three, four step process. And then Paco Figueroa and I, who's our first base coach, um, we'll go over all the outfielders for him. Um, and I'll give him the information on them and, and tell him, you know, this is a first to third challenge guy. This is not, you know. So, yeah, it's so, kind of a four or five step process every for every series. So it's a whole different world up there, obviously, because you, you've, had, you've had great success through the minor leagues managing, won championships, uh, you know, minor league manager of the year in, in, in certain leagues. But you didn't have all this data then coming in. So now you take, you know, you coach and manage basically on on baseball experience. You know, you're you're a lifer in the game. Your dad was in the game. Uh, you were in, you've been in the game your whole life. I don't think you've done ever done anything else. Have you like tried well, to sell anything? UPS, or, Costco, UPS. Pizza, <laughs> landscaping, coffee in a truck, nothing, and nothing you're gone. full time. But yeah. Uh, so yeah. so now so you, you know you you ascend um, into the big leagues and as you're ascending obviously Saber metrics and all the stuff is getting it's getting heavy right and some organizations went very heavy in terms of Saber metric geeks uh, when Kaplan was there he was big on that and that was one of the reasons they brought him over there is has there been a difference between Girardi and Kaplan in terms of because Girardi's more of an old school guy right I mean he's under Tory and all these other guys. And, yeah, he is. And he, isn't. He, he he has, um, you know, he wants a lot of information, asks for a lot of information, is challenging, very challenging to people, um, which is awesome. I love yeah. that part of it because to me, that's um, go ahead and challenge me. Like, I know what I'm talking about. Right. So challenge me. It's the guy. I mean, you really weed out people when you start to challenge, you know, what their thoughts are, why they do this. Uh, people that aren't confident in their in their ability will 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 kind of uh, back off from that. And I heard that, uh, you know, about Dombrowski, too, is that he's challenging and and some people have said that as negative. I said, why is that a negative? You know, right. I, I think it's a positive. But Joe, Joe's Joe's been tremendous to work for. I mean, he's uh, a baseball guy first and foremost, but he's a numbers guy. You know, I mean, he's a Northwestern uh, economics guy, so he knows his stuff. Very smart guy, but you know, just great feel, um, great great family man. It's just, it's been really good to work for him. And I had a lot of fun last year, but hopefully, hopefully this year is a little bit different. We get 162 in instead of 60. Yeah. So there's a push. You know, obviously tweets and texts and everything came out yesterday regarding you know the owners trying to push some things back so but you are on schedule to go right now because there is a contract in place mm -hmm. um that there's an agreement in place and that they're looking at 162 and they're looking at starting spring training right away pitches and catches report when 
Um, the pitchers and catchers, our first workout's the 17th, but there's all kinds of different situations now where we have to have intake and you go in and take some tests and then they send you away for two days and then you get cleared to come into the facility. So I think I have to be there the 12th. I think I have my intakes the 13th and I think I'll be cleared the 15th to go into the facility. And I think the position or the pitchers and catchers are the 15th and I think they get all cleared and physicals on the 16th and then I think we're good to go on 17th. Are you so you see are you seeing more protocol now that we've had some data on the on the COVID and how it went or or last year when it was just almost kind of felt like like everything was overkill like you just uh, no, had to get on the field all and, the same I think I think as yeah. far as talking to you know other coaches and stuff that we've heard everything's pretty much the same still it's going to be just like you saw it last year, pretty much, I guess, you know, so we, what testing we, every day and all you know, that. What we saw last year was a whole different visual for a fan, right? Mm-hmm. So I sit on this side as a fan and not a player or involved in it. And, you know, you got fake sound going in there. You got cardboard people in there. Did, do you think at any point, you know, the athlete's the athlete. He wants to compete. He wants to win. Was there any letdown in terms of, man, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I came to the big leagues. I wanted to play in front of 50,000. Now I'm playing in front of, you know, 20,000 cardboard pieces. Yeah, I think the biggest change is the third group of VP and when you walk <laughs> out when the game is got, getting ready to start, when you go out for pregame, like when guys are warming up. Because okay. you know that. You got that feeling, you know, the third group of VP on the road. Everybody's the gates in. are open. You know, there's a buzz in the stands. You know, there's the smells and sounds and everything. And, you know, you go in, you come back out, and there's, you know, already 20,000, 30,000 people there, and you walk out, and there's that buzz and people yelling, you know, doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have that. But the then autograph once, signing and yeah, all that all that. Once fanfare. the game starts, though, it, it's pretty much, you know, game on. You don't really notice a whole lot. And I think they did a great job with the sound because we played some games early with no sound, and um, it was – it was odd, and there was yeah. you know you just hear too many things. You know you hear, <laughs> you hear you know, umpires moving, and you hear catchers moving. Right. You hear you know it's just you need a little little bit of sound in there, I think, especially in the stadiums. You know the, everything echoes like yeah sure. You hear yeah. the coaches uh, yelling at the umpires. See yeah. everything when I was in Seattle, nobody was there anyway. <laughs> it echoed all the time, <laughs> right. regardless. So you know, a big concrete roof and well, that's what everybody joked about last year. That's why Miami had such an advantage. Like yeah. nobody ever goes to the game. Yeah. Did you find it for the players? Uh, you know, for the new guys, you know, playing without any fans, less pressure on those guys. You know, when there's fifty thousand fans, you know, especially playing like yeah. a market like New York, you know, high expectations, but without any fans. Uh, I don't think so because the big leagues is the big leagues. You got to. Pr- produce and, yep. and you find out real quick when you don't produce and you're back at the alternative site <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. that the pressure is always going to be there and I think that's the biggest thing is um, you know to, to try to somehow ease that pressure but you know the pressure is I don't want to go back to the minor leagues that's okay. the pressure the, the fans are nothing like people think like this guy yelling at you always oh, putting pressure on you that's not pressure pressure yeah. so is, is having to go back to the minor leagues it's, so it's funny what he said in there was you know you should be, you know, be scared because I don't want to get sent down to AAA. Yeah. I don't want to go play in Tacoma. I don't want to go play in Calgary. I don't want to go wherever. Now they go, you go into the alternative, the alternate site, site or yeah. whatever the they call site. it. It's, it's that's even they didn't even get to play games. They just <laughs> went down. No, and they, out. they didn't have enough people because you know the the protocol was that I think they could only have. I want to say it was like 30 max. Yeah. And so you know you figure 15 or pitchers, you only get 15 position players. You can't put a two teams together so yeah. it's basically like live bps and stuff there and they try to do whatever they could i mean there's coaches out there playing and stuff like that but i mean you can only do so much right so how, you still have to fly 
Yeah, we right? did. Yeah. You still had to fly. So what was what was that like? Did you have the distance? I mean, obviously you get a bunch of guys on a plane and a card game breaks out, and, you know. But does yeah, everybody- no. So what they did was, and this is a good story. So every team had to put a like officer in place that was in charge of protocol and everything, and he was the MLB. I don't even know what they called him, but he was in charge of making sure everything went smooth. He was right? a COVID police. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> our guy, our he is our security guard that we just hired last year. So he thinks he's getting, you know, whatever. And so he's a former Chicago PD detective who was Dennis Rodman's bodyguard back in the day. So he's got stories on top oh, of stories. But yeah. then he becomes this guy, right? And right. he does he works for the Phillies. He doesn't want to do all this stuff, yeah. you know? And all this stuff gets thrown on. So he has to walk up and down the aisle of the planes and report stuff or whatever. And it, it was it was crazy. But like so the the social distancing happened. There's like, you know, we had to wear masks at all times, all during travel. We didn't luckily we didn't have to fly that much, but I don't even know what's worse, the the flight or the bus. And we bust a few more times. We didn't train at all instead of, of training, we we bust. Um but, you know, just masks and, you know, normally the coaches sit in first class and you would sit next to another right. coach because um, we have so many coaches now. So there'd be, you know, two all first class would be filled up and maybe Joe would have his own row and, right. and maybe somebody else. But um, now with all that, they one guy per <coughs> row in first class and then every player had one row. And we obviously we didn't bring the amount of people that we used to bring either. Like there was no social media people. There was no. No broadcasters. None of the, none none of those guys were on the plane. So it's basically like tier one, like clubhouse personnel only. Like that was it. How often did you have the COVID test? Every day. Every well, day. Pretty much every day. Um, oh. At least five days a week. Um, sometimes we did it every day. Like if you were traveling, the next day you had to test. Um, sometimes you did it at the ballpark. Sometimes you did it at the hotel. You just wow. got used to it. It was all spit test. Well, most of it was the saliva test. So. Oh, okay. So somebody gets somebody gets identified as even being contact or COVID immediately out, gone. And it was 14 days then, wasn't it? Well, or? I don't, I don't know what exactly what the rules were, but uh, every stadium had to have a isolation room. So as soon as something came back, that player went to the isolation room, and then they started the contact tracing. And if you were, you know, within six feet of the guy for 15 minutes or longer yeah. and you were out um so that's why they were encouraging like everything to try to be done outside like we had like a weight room upstairs on the concourse trying to get guys to do stuff like that um they didn't want more than like four or five guys in the cage at a time because um, if you were unmasked around somebody and that person tested positive you know so you know let's say in, we're in the coach's room and all of us are unmasked and around each other for 15, more than 15 minutes technically one of us tests positive the whole coaching staff see you. Jeez. So a, a greater revolving door that's been in the past. So the injuries send you out or you're not productive sending you out. Now, you, you, I mean, it, the lineup's changing on a daily basis, right? Or at least the bodies on the bench are changing on, on a daily basis. That's got to become, you know, it, it's not the norm for managing a team or, you know, preparing a team to go out and play. Because today, he's, this is your lineup and this is what you think you're going through a series with. And then you got guys in the uh, the isolation room. Yeah, we were fairly fortunate really we had um a little outbreak even before we got together for spring training 2.0 um down in florida at our facility so some of those guys uh got covid but by the time we started really we were pretty close to having everybody there scott kingery had it at the beginning of 2.0 and um adam hazley 
had a questionable thing come back, and he had to sit out for the first part of it. But other than that, really, we had a, false, a couple false positives. Um, one of our coaches had a false positive, and uh, another personnel with us had false positives. But um, I mean, I had one coming back that said pending for like four days, but I had taken <laughs> three before that and three after it yeah. that were cleared. So you know, they they just I don't know. We were just kind of trying to figure it out. You watch we the World Series, obviously, mm -hmm. right? Um, Turner gets pulled out of the game. Yeah, saying that oh, he's, yeah. and then the next thing you know, they're taking pictures and he's out there, and then the world's going crazy because how does how does yeah. that happen? I mean, what you know? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I get. I, what happens is, uh, at the beginning, the tests were coming back really slow because everything went out to Salt Lake City. Um, what Major League Baseball did was they said we have this <laughs> testing site for, you know, steroids and and drugs of abuse and all that stuff. So why don't we instead of taking these tests from the public? Let's shut our drug testing down, and we'll send all our stuff to our lab. Then we don't have to mess with anybody, and we're not taking tests away from anybody. Well, it was kind of slow, right? Like, you, you know, you get a test from Philly on a Friday morning, and all of a sudden you don't get your results back till Monday night. So, I mean, a lot of things can happen between Friday morning sure. and Monday night. Right, yeah. sure. So they ended up um, working with Princeton or something like that, and they got one on the East Coast. I think it was Princeton or Rutgers or somewhere like that. And they were getting them back easier because now, instead of having to fly them or ship them, they could just courier them to you know New York and and Philly and all you know Baltimore. Everybody could just courier them there, and they're there in an hour. And the tests are you know don't take that long to run. So it was it was it was crazy. How many how many guys are going to bring in the spring training? I mean, usually in the past you got all the non roster guys coming yeah. in, and all that. I you think, know that was a big that was a big thing for a guy that wasn't mm -hmm. on the forty man roster to be invited as a non roster player, especially if you're a six year free agent or something like that. That's one of the things you would negotiate. Like you know, can I go to spring training? Mm -hmm. um, not knowing you're going to make, you know, chances are you're not going to make the team, but you're going to get meal money. You're going to be there a little bit longer, and you get to get in the eyes of the, the staff, and hopefully it helps you during the season. So you bring in a, a, a slew of non-Rasta guys. Is that still? Well, it's kind of a fluid situation. Uh, last I heard, it looks like about 75 will be the max that you'll be able to bring in, and it looks okay. like there'll be kind of a triple-A uh, camp going mm -hmm. on at the same time normally nowadays most teams bring in uh they have like an early camp so they'll have like a big group of minor league players that are ready to go for the big league so like last year i think we took five catchers to camp but we also had eight catchers in minor right. league camp in our early camp that if we needed bullpens to be caught we would just call over and say we need two catchers this morning to catch four bullpens they'd come over right. and catch the bullpens go back um but now we don't have that luxury because there's no minor league camp you can only have 75 at your facility period end of story that's what it sounds like so there'll be a major league camp which i'm sure we'll probably use the the visiting side the home side our minor league facility and have them spread all out everywhere as much as we can but from what i heard they'll be able to intermingle um and not just be two separate camps so but you know then then you go with like okay well we just signed such and such that has three years in the big leagues to a minor league contract, but he's not on the roster. So do we send, does he go to the minor league camp? Does he go to the AAA camp? Is he in the clubhouse? Like you only get 45 guys. Like now you got pecking order. Like, well, yeah. you know, it, it's gonna, it's a weird situation. And last year was a weird situation because like last year in our clubhouse, I think we have in the, in Citizens Bank, I think we have 40 lockers, 41 maybe. Um, well, we had 20, eight players the whole year and everybody has to be six feet apart they're lockers <laughs> so we had lockers portable lockers put in the middle of the locker room 
and couches and everything was taken out. So now you got guys, you're like, okay, where are we gonna put, this guy's got five years in the big leagues, I'm gonna put him in a metal locker in the middle, but guys right. are pretty good about it. I mean, Alec Baum made his major league debut, he dressed in the, like, uh, I guess Restroom it's down the, the hall. Where the, <laughs> basically, where the like where the uh, staff, like yeah. bat boys and and clubhouse staff, had their locker room. Yeah. So he had this own little room, and I said, "Dude, not many guys made their major league debut and said, you know what? They got me my own locker room.' There you go. It's crazy, but most guys were, you know, understanding. They just wanted to play baseball. So it was, you know, some guys put their egos uh, aside. I think a little bit last year. To yeah, it, it, you can you can sense that, um, and especially you know, like I said, sitting on the fan side for us, it's like let's just get this thing on the way. Please get them on the field somehow, some way. And you think in our sport, it would have been the easiest group to get back on the field, you know, because there's distancing on the field. It's not like we're in a huddle or we're coming down and we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're throwing elbows in the paint or something like that. You're you know, the the contact, most of the contact is between the, the hitter, the umpire, and the catcher. Yeah. So everybody's masked up and going. But that that was, uh, you know, it was great to see the game get off and go. Um, and I think, you know, for a true fan, we just got to watch the game. You know, the whole, you know, it was kind of like interesting in the beginning, like, oh, look at that pla- that, that cardboard character or this, you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, and I don't know who did that first because nobody was doing that in the beginning. And then all of a sudden, somebody threw some cardboard stuff up, and then next thing, the whole stadium. I was went. told we led the league in baseball in car- cutouts. So. <laughs> did you? Really? Yeah, they, they raised. I want to. So say, they sold those seats. Yeah. They sold those cardboard. They, they raised a ton of money in Philly for Philly's charities. Ton. Like I want to say three hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. For the charities. So what a great, what great. a great concept. Yeah. yeah. yeah I was, was I was thinking, okay, they, you know, the owners have to make money selling seats. So they they're gonna keep they're gonna keep it. It was yeah. all charity. That's cool. All charity. Are we gonna have cutouts out here? <laughs> we should. We now. should. The first <laughs> the first Queens. The Queens is not. I know. Not a lot of any. We fans. got really nice seats out there now, though. Yeah. I know. With no fans. Know. Sell your uh, sell your suite. Your office yeah. suite. I could do that, right? <laughs> I, but I have to get like plastic dividers up in there. And I, yeah. You know, you know, I, I don't want that. So, well, we're we're excited. I mean, hopefully this is a 162 game season because the sprint was fun. To watch, yeah. you know, like everybody, you know, every game mattered from the get go, yeah. right? I mean, you could, you know, if you got hot for a week, you could be leading the division and going to the World Series. Mm-hmm. Where if you got hot for a week, um, and you're a bottom of the barrel kind of club or a bottom of the division club, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a week goes by and then you're back to, you know, under 500 again. But that was that was it was pretty exciting. It was fun. I liked the playoffs. I thought the playoffs had, and I definitely liked the World Series. I mean, the Dodgers were, yeah, yeah, they were strong. So out of all the teams. Now in the National League, um, who's who's the one team that you know? Like this is going to be tough, regardless. Well, so last year was weird because we didn't. We only played everybody in the East, right. the AL and NL East. Um, so we didn't really get to see a, a, anybody outside of that last year. Um, but I think the Padres probably have done yeah. the most. And yeah. and you know I got a good buddy that's a coach over there, and he's you know they're they're going to be really good. I mean yeah. they. they 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 made some additions. They got a good club already, um, so I, I think I think that'll be a good race between them and the Dodgers out there. Yeah. Um, I think you know obviously both of them have a really good chance of making the playoffs, but I think that'll be a, a race out there. But uh, you know it's just two at the top. But I mean our division is going to be crazy because I mean I think we have you know I, I'm I'm guessing 86 wins wins the East now because everybody's going to beat up on each other. It's right. it's, it's it's strong. I mean. We, with us signing Didi and 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 JT back, um, we had the fourth. I think we scored the fourth most runs in the National League last year, and I think our starting pitching was like eighth, and our bullpen was a seven something ERA. If that's a five ERA, we probably win five, six, seven more games, and right. we're we're easily in the playoffs. 
So, um, you know, we've made some changes in the bullpen, uh, acquired some, some different guys. So I think, uh, I think the NL East will be a fun division to watch. And, you know, being around here, obviously a lot of Braves fans and stuff. Braves are always good. Braves, Go Cardinals. Uh, <laughs> well, the Cardinals should walk through it now. I they mean, should. That's a joke. The, the, I mean, what they haven't. I think. I don't think any team in the NL Central spent over over four million on free agents. I don't think they've yeah, spent over four million. No, they, I, they just picked up who Arnado? Yeah, but yeah. that wasn't a free agent deal. That right. was a trade. Yeah. yeah. So that's I mean, the, the NL Central nobody nobody spent any money at all. Right. So. Do you, think, do you think it's yeah. because of COVID? Because, I mean, a lot of people, there's a lot of free agents still on the market that's out there. 140-something. Right yeah, now. so is are the owners holding tight to their money and just not spending it? or? Uh, in my opinion, uh, yeah, the owners are just holding their money. They don't, I mean, even us, like, I understand one side of it, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard argument, you know. Until the owners open up their books, you don't know exactly what happened. They can say what they want, and the players are going to say what they want. So you get into a tough situation on, on who's right and who's wrong and, and things like that. You just, I just always hope that, uh, you know, the players get as much money as they can. Being an ex-player, I mean, you only have – and especially when you're done playing, you see the window that you have to make money, and mm -hmm. it's, it's not that big of a window. And people look at, oh, this guy makes a million dollars. Well, he might have made a million dollars for three years, and then his agent took 4%, mm -hmm. and then, you know, he Taxes. had to pay for a place to – he had to pay for a place to live all summer and, you know, all this stuff. And, oh, now he's done at 33. And people look at it, and you're like, well, now, you know, the guy's only got – uh, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank, and he's thirty yeah. with no job experience. Now go get him, buddy. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, you're so right. I, I, I kind of look. I look at the, you know, the ownership now is different than when we come. Like the owners back, back, back were baseball fans. They wanted a baseball team because they loved the game, whatever. Now it's become corporate. It's become big dollars, yeah. and they can, you know, they can turn it and flip it. So they're gonna, they can put a product on the field sometimes. And in my opinion. Again, like the athlete is bigger, stronger, faster now. The science in the game is off the charts. We've had this conversation many, many times in here. But the actual baseball player I don't think is as good as it was back in, in, in a day. So because you're always putting a really good product on the field. There was guys that were in the game for a long time that understood how the game played. You're not going to see guys that are getting 15, 16 years anymore, right? They're recycling out. Guys that are being drafted are getting there quicker, so not necessarily – prepared for that level but now the level I think the level of the game has come down to what's coming up and not the game stayed up here and you had to ascend because you know you, you'd get drafted back when we got drafted right you're going through rookie ball a ball maybe double a then back to a ball I mean I was looking at my um, my journey the other day online because I was looking at another guy that we we're we we're going to talk to at some point and you know I was I was triple a double a double a triple a a ball back to double a I mean up and down all around um, and you hung in there and you grinded out and you developed yourself into a player that could play at that level. Now they'll push guys up there quick and then they'll dump them out quick. It's almost like the NFL, like your career is three and a half to five years. You're in and out. Well, in three and a half to five years doesn't make you a lot of money because no. really you don't make good, good money until your third year arbitration. arbitration right? Yep. Um, you know, your first few years, um, you know, you're making minimum, which is 600 or something now, which it sounds great, but like... After you I'm pay gonna, bills and everything like that, it's it, not that much. I'm right. going to make more if I live long enough off my pension than I did when I played. Oh, I've got no doubt I will. Yeah. I mean, no it's, my money's going to be greater out of the game than it was in the game. Now you can't use it. 
No, because my wife takes it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I can't use it. Well, you're 20, in the dog I get twenty dollars a week. So Dusty, we were talking about you know early on, like you know, Dusty's a different animal. He's not a, a go out party guy, run all over the place. He's you know, this is business. He goes to work and he does it, and it's it's for months. It's when he gets the spring training to the end, and we used to laugh because Heidi would give him allowance. And I'm like, and he would tell me at the allowance. I was like, dude, how do you live on that? But, you know, eat <laughs> the club. Money, yeah. <laughs> He's like, That's I'm home with money, we man. I'm have like, any money. you got to go deficit so you get more the next year, dude. You don't have any money. I mean, if, if there's no money to to to, to buy to buy anything, you know, you got to pay uh, you know bills at home and stuff. People, See, and the, people forget, you know, I got a mortgage at home and I got a rent during the yeah. summer. You got kids going kids? to college. Yeah. You got, yeah. you know, college, yeah. cars. You got the house. You got to get the. You got all that stuff. Four cars. You yeah. know, all these kids. Jeez, yeah, yeah so. no, it's it's good. But I mean, it's you know, I'm I'm fortunate uh, where I am now, and you know, fortunate for a lot of people to to help out Heidi and, yeah. and stuff when she's at home because, you know, once I leave, it's it's tough. And like last year was really tough because last year was the longest I'd ever gone without seeing the kids or her because we couldn't leave, and yeah. mm-hmm. really they couldn't come up just because of things going on here and things like that, so they couldn't even come to Atlanta for the weekend or whatever because you had to get COVID tests and it was just a mess. And so this year, I mean, fingers crossed, a lot of times during the season, I'll fly home for an off day here and there. They'll come to Atlanta, you know, maybe come up to Philly for a week or whatever, so uh, it's, it's crazy, but hopefully this year, you know, like I said, fingers crossed, I can come home for an off day here and there. That'd be nice, so people don't realize like we, not the top tier guys, the guys that you see getting all the mega contracts set for life. Everybody else in, the, in a little, you're playing for time as much as, you know, we're, oh, we're yeah. playing because we love the game and we want to win championships. And sure. there'd be nothing greater than a world, a world Series ring, which you have as a coach, you were given a couple, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, winning a World Series, something like that, that's, you know, that's what, that's what the true baseball guy does. Mm-hmm. But also when you're in that process and you're thinking about, you know, long term and you're thinking about life and what's going to happen because a lot of these guys come out of, like you're saying, you're done at 30 and you have no job experience. Some of these guys don't have an education. And now you got to go ahead and start your life over and you're not getting that, you know, what seems like a lot of money. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're making $4,000 a month instead of fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a month. So you play for time. So in the end, so longevity-wise, like at the first of every month, here comes that check, you know, and and – you want to outlive the length of the time <laughs> that you that you played. So it it, it, it coming in. We were talking about it. it to, to, to the outside person, it looks like a glamorous life. Yep. It's not about the glamour for the player. It's about the competition. About the level. It's about ascending to the highest point that you could possibly be. Being one of the best eight hundred plus in the world. You know that's you know those are the, really the awards, and then the people that we you know we gain along the way. But it's it, the dollars are the dollars are part of the process and especially if you have longevity but the long-term dollars are for the majority and that's and, and that's the pension mm-hmm. you know? yeah and like a guy like Andrew Knapp that we have as our backup catcher I think this is his fifth year in the big leagues he's going to make over a million dollars for the first time in his career this year so he's probably well last year he got cut a bunch of money you know but uh you know he probably made I don't know a little over two million in his career so far in five years and now he's 20 nine 30 years old with a couple million which is great but yeah. you know i mean like like we said like i mean how much longer is he going to play hopefully he gets right. five more years and he gets full pension all that but you know you got to pay bills from age 35 to 60 mm-hmm. or 53 yeah. or whenever yeah the guys like matt stairs no longer that's that, that's yeah. absolutely the, the left-handed hitter that comes off the bench and you know he's well, gonna I, get over i think ownership feels that you know do we want to pay this guy five million dollars and or we can pay this guy like eight hundred thousand, so right. we can save all that money. Like, what's yeah. 
is it that much of a benefit? Is it is it you know eight times better to pay this guy than this yeah. guy? I think that's one of the reasons that I stayed in the big leagues because I was on the lower end of the salaries. And you know, they, I mean, they can go out and get these free agents to be a utility man or a backup guy when. You know, yeah. I think I think my, my biggest contract might have been one sixty. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was you know to me it was. A, Is there a point in there? Just I used to say one point six k. Everybody's going like one point six mil. I go one point six k. So, is it harder to stay in the big leagues or harder to get there? Harder to stay. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Is that that that's that. Well, I mean, it's hard to get there, obviously, but yeah. I mean, it, it's it's even harder to stay. I think. I want to say there's eighteen thousand now. Yeah. Uh, Total ever. 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 Eighteen thousand. Yeah. Really. Major league players. Wow. Major ever. league players ever. Ever. One hundred and twenty-five yeah. years. And you're counting guys that have a week or you know every days day. or like whatever. Me, that wow. Yeah. Days. You're counting the, everybody. You know, so those are those are. I think those it's eighteen thousand. I think I was sixteen thousand something. I think I was some. My, the biggest number for me is like what I what Nolan Jeff Ryan struck me out. Three hundred and twenty-one. List of Nolan Ryan strikeouts. <laughs> I was. I was he in Jesus. thousand somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You know. Pretty was he number three twenty-one? 321 was yeah. my number. Is yeah. this a Pence boat joke like we did like last time? Is this, uh, you know, we got to keep it, a lighter on here. Yeah. yeah, there's not much light going on up here anymore, man. I got to get to Prevagen or something like that. I'm like, I drive past places and forget things. And I'm taking more naps than I ever took. Hey, naps like, naps, good. Naps, naps used to be calculated, now they're a necessity. <laughs> so. But all right, so jump off the jump off the pro ball stuff and all that. Um, <coughs> Dusty Sun Huck that played through our organization, and now Gus Gus the party bus who's who's a trip. He's ready. We've watched Gus from here, and now he's now he's uh, he's with the Eleven U Club. You're coaching that team, I'm aren't you? I'm coaching that yeah. team. I get to, I get to get Gus this year, but you know, going through the process, you came up, you you came out of high school, successful high school career, you jumped into a, a JUCO, mm-hmm. right? Ray's Ray's son was a, a a commit as a freshman to LSU. And, you know, we, we had this conversation. Mm-hmm. A great call he made to LSU was, is he going to catch the first couple of years? Mm-hmm. Um, and they said no. And he said, hey, well, can we go to with this JUCO where he's playing all the time and then still kind of honor the situation? And LSU was, you know, was they, they said, yeah, stop. man. Yep. Say go. Um, but your journey was you're a lifer uh, in, in a different extreme than most because your dad was a lifer in the game and he's still in the game, right, mm-hmm. with working yep. with Kansas City. He's mm-hmm. so – your family's known nothing really but baseball. Your brother was a player also. Is your brother involved in the game any other no, way? No, not anymore anymore. Uh, he was. He had some offers to stay in after he was done, but um, his wife kind of said, you know what, I think it's time to come home. Reality? So, yeah, yeah. God, I hate those women. <laughs> yeah. I hate those women. Yeah. My you sister. Know, I my got s- that same thing. My sister works for the Royals in, in the PR department. Actually, you know what's funny is my everybody in my whole family at one point got a check from the Kansas City Royals. My mom okay. included. Really? My mom used to make burritos for the clubhouse guys in spring training, and they'd buy them from her. <laughs> <laughs> for the players, because yeah. the players loved them. So, yeah, 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 it's pretty amazing. So, you know, we've gone through the process. So now you, you Juco, pro ball, um, you're in pro ball. You get, you, get, you get some time in the big leagues. While you're tracking through the minor leagues as a player, always in the back of your mind that you're going to coach? You know, your dad was in the game. You saw that. That was what you knew best, right? That was probably your comfort level to be somewhere in the game. So were you, were you, were you taking your approach to the game not only as a player every day in preparation, but also, like, picking things along the way? Like, when I get a chance to manage or I stay in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, academically, I, I wasn't great in high school. Um, you could have made burritos. You yeah, did, you, I should have. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I – uh, I probably I had some opportunities to go to some schools, and then um, I was supposed to go to Miami Dade South, 
And I would have been teammates with uh, Raul Abanez, Ivan Montaigne. There's a couple of big league guys that would have been on that team together. Because um, my grandfather was from, lived in Miami in the winter, so we thought this would be perfect. You know, uh, and I was getting recruited by University of Miami, a couple other teams from the South or whatever. Um, but I just thought, you know what, I, I think the junior college is going to be the best thing for me, academic-wise and everything. Just happens that Brent Main uh, was playing for the Royals at the time. His dad was the coach at Orange Coast College. I would work out with Brent in the afternoon before I'd go to my practice and go play. And uh, he said, you know, listen, uh, I'm coach out here in Southern California. Both your parents are from San Diego. You're not a Florida kid. You're a California kid. You won't have to see <laughs> yeah. your grandma at any time. Because my dad and him had played against each other in college. And I said, yeah, actually, I'm going out to see my grandma. This and that. He goes, all right, come up to campus. Just check it out, right? Yeah. So I go up there, uh, check it out. I love it. I end up going to junior college out there. And um, he retired after his first year. I transferred to uh, Cerritos College, um, played with Rod Barajas. Rod was a year younger than me. They moved Rod from catcher to first base. I caught. Uh, and then I ended up signing as a non-drafted free agent after being in the Cape Cod League. And um, really, no, I give you any money? Uh, I think I got a thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And so from there, I basically just wanted to sign a contract to play long enough to give myself a little bit of credibility to be able to coach, um, wherever that may be. And 14 years later, it was time to coach. Yeah. That's what happened. So you know. In this conversation, what, what I'm processing in my head for the parents that are listening and things like that now, one, you know, everybody thinks getting to the big leagues is going to set you for life, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That's not the case mm -hmm. anymore, right? That, that's changed. So the process is, is you got to determine what's the best fit for you college-wise because the education is what's going to take you long term. So instead of, like, saying, you know, my son's going to be the next Derek Jeter or whatever, that, 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 the odds are very, very slim, right? And then even if you get to the big leagues now – the cost of living, like you're saying, to live in a city like Philadelphia or New York or mm -hmm. L.A. or anything like that. And then you got clubhouse dues on top of that. And, you know, you got Taxes, responsibilities yeah. to your home if you have families. And things like that. The money isn't what everybody – they see it in paper and in print and go, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Right? So, you know, your journey for, you know, if, if, if we're giving um, – you know, we're giving advice to players is that, you know, you want to push. I don't care where you go play in college, go play in college somewhere mm -hmm. yep. and get yourself set as far as a degree goes, because you know, there is no guarantee. And is, you know, the odds of being a, you know, a long term major leaguer and making mega millions is is not there. Um, so Huck now is going to go to UNC Charlotte next year. Mm -hmm. um, He's going to do well, you know. We, we know we, we we know he's going to do well. We know his makeup. We know how he plays. He plays the game. He plays the game hard. He plays the game with a mean streak, which I which I love. I love coaching those kids. <laughs> like we we joke all the time. Huck and Zach in the same dugout was. Yeah. That was uh, that was that was a chore. Um, so, but in the process, you know, you jump, you go right through JUCO because the guy says, come on out here and whatever. But now we got to go through a process with getting Huck to where he wants to go. And there were different options along the way. People we knew out in San Diego, like mm -hmm. you were saying, you know, the people that were on him. And then as a family, you got to sit down and you make a decision. What was that? What was that key piece um, as a family? Obviously, it's what yeah. Huck wanted in the end, but mm -hmm. what was, you know, for the family? So, you know, we sat down um, probably his freshman, sophomore year and said, hey, where do you want to go to school? And, you know, he said, you know, all the typical places, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and we got some stuff back from some people, you know, and obviously I know quite a few, like, you know, the assistant coach at, uh, at, at TCU was my 
brother's coach at Oklahoma. He coached me. He was my head coach at the Cape Cod League. I mean, there's guys all over. Mike Martin Jr. was roommates. I sat in the back of the bus with Mike Martin Jr. at Florida State. You know, like drank all, milkshakes. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, a bunch of milkshakes. <laughs> it was tough keeping them cold though. They always melted. Yeah. Um, but 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 you know, so we got all these people, whatever. And and Huck, to his credit, is is wants to be his own person, as yeah. I did when I was a kid. Right. You know, you want to be better than your dad get away from your dad's shadow and all that stuff so you know we went through some things and we I never pushed him where to go what he wanted to do and everything and and I think it was last winter he kind of said you know what I don't think I'm getting enough um stuff from the outside we never did perfect game we never did anything the only thing we ever did was anything that we did with you we never did he never went to one thing he went to the uh, junior area code games that he got invited to but other than that he did nothing so I don't know, guess maybe that's my fault or whatever, but I always thought he's going to end up where he's going to end up for the right reason. I'm, I was, didn't worry about where he was going to go because he's really good academically, so we weren't worried about that. Wherever he was going to go to school, he was going to get into. Um, we weren't worried about that. So last year, we kind of sat down and said, all right, what do you think? And he said, you know what? I think I kind of want to stay close to home, and I, I want to I play right away, which is what I kind of pushed on him the whole right. time is uh-huh. you want to go in and have a j- best chance to start. So he said, well, I'm kind of – UNC Wilmington, UNC Greensboro, and Charlotte. And Charlotte had been on him since he was a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo Robinson and I right. uh, have known each other for a long time. He was with Seattle at the time. He actually played with my brother in winter ball in Panama years ago. So they had known him for a long time, and obviously them being around here, seeing him play. But uh, So we went to three camps. We went to the Wilmington camp. We went to Greensboro, and then we, and we didn't go to the Charlotte camp. Um, and Charlotte offered him a um, scholarship. Um, Greensboro offered him a scholarship, and – Wilmington said, you know, we have two kids already here. We'd love to offer you a scholarship. We just, honestly, right. we don't, we've already spent our money right. from kids that we'd had since freshman or sophomore year. So we were like, all right. So Huck went home and thought about things and, and you know, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And, um, you know, there were some other schools starting to come in from the area code things that he was at and stuff. So um, he said, he kept talking about Charlotte, kept talking about Charlotte. And so Heidi had never been to campus. Uh, not in like 20 years or since we first moved here. So we went up there the one day. He said, all right, Mom, let's go up. So called Coach, went up there or whatever, and um, they'd already had an offer to him, and, and uh, we sat down, and uh, they were getting ready to make him a little bit more offer, and, and Huck stood up and said, I want to go to school here. That's how it happened. How it he did it on his own. We didn't yeah. know he was going to do it. He just was going to go up and show Mom school, and uh, he's really excited. We're excited for him. It's good because Gus will get to watch him play every game, for Conference nice. USA, has to be at least streamed, minimum streamed or televised. So I'll get to watch a bunch. Um, you know, they had the rebranding. The facility's great. It's exciting. It's, con- it's a conversation we have a lot. And we had, you know, obviously we had with Huck when he was coming through here and, and reaching out to the schools that he talked about, you know, because everybody's going to kind of back check, yeah. cross check, whatever. But, you know, like I said, you get you get people like Huck that he, he's, he's a different animal in terms of, of how he processes things, just, you know, a lot like, like Zach. I mean, they have this own plan. Even though we have a plan for him, we think, hey, this is great. A lot of these kids and a lot of these families think that they got to go to a power five and they got to go here and yeah. there. And if they don't, it's not, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. One, if you're a good player in your right situation, you're going to get you're going to get opportunity if there is opportunity at the next <laughs> level. But the key the key to all this stuff is always. You're used to playing this game your whole life, right? Every time you go to the park, you're in the lineup. You know, you're rarely on the bench. And then all of a sudden you're going to go to a program that you may be on the bench for two years. And you're shagging and you're taking BP and you're whatever. That doesn't, that doesn't sit well. I mean, it's, you know, if, if you just want to endure it and ride it out and this is all you care about, then great. You just want to wear the uniform and say you play at the university. 
But if you're not in the lineup every day, playing every day, one, you lose any opportunity that might be there because people have to see you play. Mm-hmm. And two, you're going to be miserable. That's right. You know, you, you may fake it like, okay, this is what I'm committed to because I have a scholarship and I still got to go out there and I got to do this. But you want to go to where you're going to put the uniform and you have a chance from the get-go. Nobody's going to ever promise you you're a starter. There may be people out there say you're going to be. Yep. But the truth of the matter is you still have to go earn your spot every single day and put yourself in that position to go. So when we're talking to kids, it's go where – I don't care what division it is. You know, so, and we say this again, over in the South – you could be a power five, you could be a, a mid-major D1, you could be a D2, you could be a D3. You're going to run into good baseball. You're going to play at the level you're supposed to play at. And if you get enough, they'll find you. If, if you're good enough, they'll find you. So I kind of paralleled it to a golf handicap, right? I'm not going to go play a PGA guy. I'm going to go play a guy that has a 20 handicap. And that's going to be my competition. I'm going to love every minute of it. And I'm going to compete as hard as I've ever competed. So, you know, to, to hear things like that from the kids, that's, that's brilliant. Yep. You know, but everybody, you know, wants to be the guy at the highest level. That's, that's right. Well, you, there's two, two, two stories to that. One is Huck and I sat down our sophomore year and said, I, I, I can promise you I can get you to play seven more years of baseball. You know, and we talked about it. I said, you want to play baseball for seven more years. I guarantee you, you can play almost every day for seven more years. Right. After that, I have no idea. But if you want to go somewhere else, I can't guarantee you that you can play for seven years. I, yeah guarantee pretty much three years through high school but then depending on where you go it's it's going to take a thing sure. and the other thing i learned is my sister uh this is pretty funny that my sister back when she was in high school she had scholarship offers to go play volleyball at kansas kansas state i think nebraska and she went to pitt state in pittsburgh kansas which is known for their football team and i said why did you go to pitt state and not one of these big schools and she said well I'm not going to be a pro. I'm not, going to, I'm not good enough to go to the Olympics. I'm not going to make a living out of this. Why do I want to go be the small fish in the big pond? I'm going to be the big fish in the small <laughs> yeah. pond. National, uh, she was a, a Division II All-American. She's in their Hall of Fame. She's got every record they've ever had right there. And so it just goes to show you, I mean, she had a blaster. She never came out of the games. That's if right. she would have went to play yeah. volleyball at the other school, she would have been one of those rotated in and out things, you know, whatever. But she played every, every second of every point. And she had a bet. So wherever, wherever you go in college, you're chasing a national championship. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're gonna, and you want to be on the field chasing that national championship. I don't care where it's. it's I always said, you know, you, you play certain levels of pro ball, and you know, you probably like me. You're up, you're down, you're sent around, you're sold, you're traded, and there's disappointments in some of that journey, and then there's highs in some of that journey. But once you get past the fact that okay, this is what's happened to me, and I got to go back to A ball, or I got to go back to I got to go back to Triple A, whatever. Once you get on the field, and your mindset's got to be, this is my big leagues. This is this is where I can be the best that I can possibly be, and get after it. it becomes a mindset where a lot of kids will look at it. Well, uh, you know, it's a scarlet. I'm disappointed. I'm not this. I'm that. And then part of the culture that we have now is if you're disappointed because daddy's taking care of everything. Mm-hmm. They'll suck you out, and they're going to transfer here, or we're going to go do this, or we're going to, you know, it's, and it's and it and it's 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 been conditioned that way now, so it's tough. So it's, you know, pick the spot where you're going to get in and and ride it out and go and get after it. You yeah, know, and it, Huck, it, Huck doesn't want to be a bounce around guy. He's no. he's he he likes he can't wait for college baseball. Basically, yeah. you know, he loves to practice. He loves all that part <laughs> of it, and you know, this is a good fit for him academically. You know, I'm probably one of the, well, not the rare, but like. I don't want him to play professional baseball. I don't want him to stay in baseball after he's done playing. I want him to go be a lawyer. I want him to go do this and, you know, go to business school. You know, they got a great business school there. We've already talked about it because, you know what, 
if the opportunity presents itself, okay, we'll, we'll cross that bridge right. when we get to it. But he's seen what I've had to do and all the things I've had to do. And you see people that are in other walks of life. Yeah, they're working and stuff. I said, but yeah, that's the guy with the beach house. Yeah. That's the guy with the mountain house. Yeah. That's the guy that takes a couple of weeks off and goes here and goes there and, and right. goes to you're, the You're the guy that signs a couple of autographs and then when you're done playing, they don't even know who you are. Right. <laughs> you know? So to me, you, you know? have to have a, that backup plan. Like you just said, how many guys are going to make it to the big leagues and be able to just walk away? So, so if he has three years of school on, under his belt, and hopefully he's going to take two extra classes a summer. If he happens to sign after his junior year, he's going to be that, clo that much closer to that education. So when his, let's say he goes and plays pro ball, when after four or five years he's done at 29 years old, he goes back to class. And nowadays it's pretty easy to get it online. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, have his degree, some connections, and boom, he could be the guy with the mountain. So, I, you know, I, I got to pick and choose my spots that I give my wife credit for because if I give her credit <laughs> for everything that's the truth, then I get nothing. Right? So, but... You know, my first marriage, I had two girls. So I never had to have the conversation about pro ball, baseball, or whatever. It, it just wasn't there. And then I, I remarry, and then Amanda and I have two boys. And, you know, we're sitting there as, as Zach is born. And I, I, it, this is, I remember where we were and, and having this conversation. I said, well, what if he's a first-round draft pick? You know, and, and you know, and I'm explaining then because then for us, that was a lot of money. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the game was different. You could have longevity in it. They're not going to punch you out. And she was like, no way. I don't he's not signing. He's going to college. He's getting a degree. He's going to do this. And I'm like, you don't get it. You know, I mean, this is like, listen, they could take care of us. You know, yeah. I'm thinking about the whole thing. But now, you know, it's almost like, you know, and I hate to say this because I got a lot of friends that are that are that are scouts and they, you know, they have to they have to battle against going to college or signing a pro contract, getting into the system early like like yep. Ray did. Right. But you I, I'd much rather than be prepared for. It not happening because there's a greater chance of it not happening. Mm -hmm. So you know, prep yourself through college. Get yourself have a have a, a vision in your head of what your future is going to be um, outside of the game. Yep. Still work and track towards this, but you got to have you got to have both roads because you're going to get to that fork, mm -hmm. and you're going to and and you're going to figure it out. So you know, on the other side is you can you can make a career in this game and you can stay in the game and coach forever. Mm -hmm. But people don't realize also. I mean, minor league coaches make. You know, yeah. college coaches are making more than minor league coaches, and they're more. pros. A lot more. You know, um, so you can stay in the game as a minor league player. You know, you, you maybe your avenue even you know is these people going through sports management stuff. And I want to get into sports management. You know, what sports management is you're pulling tarps at a minor league <laughs> facility. You're, That's you know, not true. Yeah, uh, uh, ask Tommy V. <laughs> Tommy, log in, buddy. Um, you know, I I'm mean, Tommy's management. sending it through the thing, but you know, I, so you have to prepare now for both roads not yep. just one and you know for me it worked out because i was tunnel vision like i didn't really have a purpose in college other than to keep my eligibility and hopefully get drafted and then once you got drafted you walk into the system now it's it's different because of covid but also when we go in there i mean you had two two shifts in the clubhouse you know you had 200 guys in there and you're thinking how do i get through this sea and you got guys dumping off all the time and you know where's their life going what's mm -hmm. their life going to be and you're right i mean you you step out after five six seven eight ten years in the game and you have no college degree and all your friends are they're married they got kids they got a house they got yep. investments and now you're starting this life over at your late 20s and 30s it's it's hard you know. and 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 it's different now right now i mean because of the way the minor league system's set up and if you've never seen what a high school guy goes through when he signs yeah like, I mean, it's chain link fields and nobody there and go yeah. pay your own bills. You're on your own. You're 18 years old. You go do it. Whatever. There's nobody there babysitting you. Nobody cares about you. And, and, and it's tough. And, and yeah. that's why, I mean, uh, you know, 
our our direction for Huck is, you know, if you get a chance to play pro ball, great. But you know, let's go get three years of school. Yep. The facility's going to be better. There's going to be people caring for you. Um, there's no short season anymore. Uh, there, it, it's like, you know, if you do what you're supposed to do and you come out of college, you're going to end up meeting that kid that signed out of high school at the same spot, and you're going to yeah. have three years of school. Yep. So, so I was drafted as a junior, and. I wanted to sign. I got $4,000 bonus, 12th round pick, $4,000. And, you know, it was, it was my, my parents wanted me to do this, but I had to make a pact with them that I would finish my degree while I was still playing. So I had to go. So I went back to school and I ended mm -hmm. up getting, you know, getting my degree. I, I never used it because I've been kind of an entrepreneur yeah. ever since. But and I was fortunate that, you know, 14 years later and I did get some time and I knew I had a pension and all that other stuff. I, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones and, and I'm probably one of the ones that nobody would ever would have betted, mm -hmm. you know, that this was going to happen, that you'd get to that, get to that point. But, you know, you, you can't negate the fact of what an education can do. Um, you know, we got, we got a lot of friends, you know, through Knothole and, and everything else that, that are very successful people, and they were athletes in college. Very successful people. You never lose that part of being an athlete. Mm -hmm. You never lose the fact that I was, yeah, I, I did play in the minor leagues. I was a baseball player. I did play in the big leagues. I'm a baseball player. But now you're not that anymore. You, 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 have, to, you have to live in the real world. And if you're not prepped, if you're not prepped for that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be rude. It's going right. to be tough. But if you walk into a job interview uh, with a degree and six years in the minor leagues, yeah. you go to the top of oh, the yeah. You go to the top yeah, of the list. Yeah, you do. I mean, if you go in with six years in the minor leagues, you know, they might listen to you a little bit more, but right. no degree. But, yeah. you know, you go in with a degree and, and, and six years of baseball, they know you're showing up every day. No, you get, all, all along the way, you got to build a resume. Yeah. That's Your right. resume just cannot be baseball. That's Your right. resume, you know, it's, it's doing, it's doing uh, community service stuff. And, you know, I mean, you hunt, when you walk out of there, it's, you know, it can't be this one page saying, you know, yeah, I, I played an A-ball one year and then I got called up mm -hmm. and I made an all-star team. And, you know, yeah. it's got to be, you know, this is what I did and this is how I prepared for life outside the game. Yeah. Um, you know, those are the successes because there's a hell of a lot more business people than 18,000 right. 18, guys that played in the big leagues. Yeah. I wanted to highlight something that you said, you know, so the fans and the parents could hear it again. You know, you, you, you mentioned, you know, you didn't, you didn't chase the showcase for Huck. I mean, yeah. you did it right. Like you pick, you guys picked the schools that he was interested in and went to the camp. Where a lot of parents on the on the flip side of it are chasing the showcase atmosphere. They want to chase the, you know, they want to chase the all the showcases. I don't want to highlight any yeah. of them, but they yeah, yeah. they they're looking for those, you know, my name on the top of the list, so they could get. They think that's the way to get recruited. He was never ranked. He was never still any, isn't. No, never any of that stuff. He, and he's and got, he got a really a good scholarship to yeah. Division One program. Yeah. But he's not ranked in the state yeah. of North Carolina. And, and where did he play? CBC. CBC. Yeah, baby. <laughs> but the way you, but, but he never got ranked. Yeah, He's not no. ranked in any. Yeah, we don't do that. We don't yeah. encourage our kids. To, I mean, it's not, you know. Uh, go ahead. Finish your no, question. No, and, and that's, a, and that's yeah. a good thing where a lot of parents at an early age, like 12, 13, 14, they want to, what showcase should he go to? What mm -hmm. I mean, there's showcases for you different need, things. You, again, you need to be with an organization that's going to, that, that takes an interest in your kid. Yes. And not uh, bringing a kid on because it's going to benefit you and make you look better as far as an organization. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in a Taos right now. I mean, that, that's what we do. I mean, we, we're one team per age group, and, you know, we take an interest in every single one of these kids, and we call, and we do, and we, we're, we're supposed to be doing it. And we don't – I never, ever felt like you had to go do that. I never – not a big fan of the rankings or any of that other stuff. Took Dylan down to an event uh, at Shipyard. You know, he got five ground balls where the guy on turf could barely get the ground ball to him, right? <laughs> yeah. So nobody was going to miss a ground ball because it was, you know, it was, you got to, like, blow it and it get to him, <laughs> you know? And then he got, like, eight swings and nine swings to put on a video and they're tweeting it out. And that, and then also they're going to lay out a ranking. 
Yeah, or a rating or something like that. Or you go to a, PB, uh, a PG event and you got 300 teams there and 63%, somebody did the numbers, Rich Prado, my buddy, uh, did, did, the, uh, did this one time. He called me up and said, you know that 63% of the guys that go to a perfect game event make the all-tournament team? All you got to do is hit 300. <laughs> so, and again, so you're going to take that, you're gonna take that, that, that information, you're going to send it to a recruiter and go, hey, I made an all-tournament team in PG. <laughs> you know, it's going to like. That's right. You know, yeah. there's yeah. not like a big reunion for all-tournament guys for PG over the yeah. years. And like, know, I mean, a, so like you mentioned, Gus is 11, right? Yeah. So he's in fifth grade. So if he wants to play, uh, you know, through high school and college, I think, I mean, that's definitely the thing. And I'll just do it a little earlier is the, yeah. the yeah. Gus, pick five yeah. schools you want to go to. Go I don't to care camps. where they are. We'll send you to the camps. Yeah. I'll drive you to the camps on the weekends, and yeah. and we'll see what happens. And that's it. I mean, I just think it. And and if and if you're better than those t- schools, yeah. or quote unquote better, or there's a higher so, division that wants you, they'll find you. To yep. put a caveat on that, and everybody knows each other too. Oh, they oh, all yeah. know each right? other. So yeah, if you, you go can. to a, if you go to a North Carolina camp, it's a small and, world, and 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 they like you, but maybe yeah. they have a bunch of catchers they already or whatever your positions. I mean, they're they're. they're they're not going to call another ACC school, but no. they'll definitely call somebody somewhere for you, maybe a Big 12 school or whatever, sure. and say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, we got this kid out here. He's good. You guys like so him. So on top of that, so you got to take a player like Huck and you got to say, okay, you're going to go to this camp. So you need to be somewhere. Again, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, tout CBC and what we do and how we've done it is that – so we'll take a player and he says, I want to go to this camp. I'll say, okay, well, one, yeah, the camp fits you. Okay, so, yeah, you should go there. Now, do they have room for it? So I'll pick up the phone or John Ennis will pick up the phone or whatever we'll call and say – you know, Huck Wathen's coming to your camp. This is what we think. Here's our evaluation of him. We know he can play there. If you have room and you're looking for this position, please put extra eyes on him. You yeah. know, show because mm-hmm. we're sending you something that works where everybody's going to go, well, I'm going to this camp and I'm going to that camp, I'm going to this camp. Well, you're never going to play there. Mm-hmm. You know, now if you want to go there because you want to get on that field yeah, yeah. and Free feel like, okay, and I went yeah. to the camp, whatever. Yeah. But you know what? If you have an agenda to get to a certain place, <laughs> then go where that place is going to absolutely want you or you fit the pieces of the puzzle. That's why I like a lot of those places, especially the large D1, the Power 5 right. conference, they have the two different camps, right? Yeah. Like they got a camp that for Everyone, the guys yeah. that they want to look yeah, at, and the then they got the camp yeah. that I went to at University of Kansas every yeah. year that yeah. was just a bunch of kids running around right. hoping that they were having tennis, women's tennis camps. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, that's what we did. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But that's – but that's that. you can't it's, – it's difficult to educate the public – you know, because they think they got to go play for this. We talk about the uniforms all the time. And, again, I will, I, I'll say it every time we talk about it. I'm impressed by the business models of some of these big brand teams, right? The Canes, the Five Stars, the Banditos, the CBC out in California and all this other stuff. Like, they have taken a business model and they're making buku money, okay? On the other side is, you know, they're bringing in masses of amounts of kids and they can weed it out and they can, they can tout their, their, their top teams. The educate the parents and say, you, you don't need to go do that. You need to go somewhere where they're going to be behind you and help you get to the next level. If, you're, if your objective is to go play in college, then get somewhere. I don't care if it's with us or somebody else that does that because there's other organizations out there. I know Bankhead does that. I know Deck does that. I know there's people around that we know. Well, you got to stay there so that there's a relationship with the coaches. You have to stay yeah. there. So that the coach can back you. Well, and on top of that, like you say how small the world is. you got a guy that wears 15 different uniforms and keeps yeah. bouncing around, and a guy calls and he says, what do you know about this kid? Well, first thing I'm going to tell you is he wears 15 mm-hmm. different uniforms. And then the other part, well, what about the family? Well, the father's a tool. <laughs> you know, the mother's, the mother's all in our grill all the time. You know, it's just, you know. You can't. You don't want to go down there. I mean, if you don't trust the process, 
and allow people to work it for you yep. because that's what you're paying them for. We're not paying them because we're playing in these tournaments, these other things. You're playing for our network, you know, and, and the ability that we have to call and talk to somebody on a, on a baseball level that's different. So it's, you know, it's... And you should and now I'm getting frustrated. Now oh. I'm getting all no, jacked no, up. No, I'm not even on caffeine. Now you yeah, haven't yeah. got your coffee today. And now we got... Now he brought me a mocha. Oh. And now we yeah. got the fields here so the kids can even stay around more. Exactly. And you got stuff on fields, video. Indoor and, facility, I mean, studio, video. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it's going to be even better for the kids that are going to be around here. Not only yeah. the CBC kids, but right. all the kids in Charlotte the because they're going to get to play on these mm -hmm. fields. Yep. They're not going to have to travel as far. Parents can save some money. They can put it into a camp somewhere. I mean, it, it's, yeah, we don't it's have to good go for to everybody. Texas. We don't have to go. You know, we don't have to go down there. I mean, we didn't go down to Florida. You know, we didn't yeah. do that. We played in the black uh, in the in the Black Bear Classic here. Or we went down mm -hmm. somewhere and, you know, and we networked out. Now with the facility here, not only do we have a great facility, um, we got an indoor facility with it, and we you know we stream. So mm -hmm. if we're going to do an event. I can call up X amount of college coaches and say, we're streaming this event, and it's not costing you to travel all the way down the road to, yep. you know, and they get a hotel and whatever. And, you know, and we're not, uh, listen, I'm never going to rank a kid. I think, I think ranking is brutal. Ratings I can get. Okay, this is, this is a grade A shortstop. He's got X amount of tools. He fits into mm -hmm. that. So you got six to ten shortstops that are, that, are, that are A shortstops. Then you get your B shortstops, and then you got whatever. Not this, this guy's number one, this guy's two, this guy's 20. And then you got all these different all these different services, and they can be one can be ranked one, and the next thing you know, another one is ranked twenty. It makes no sense, and so recruiters can't look at that and and deduct that this is definitely a guy because he's ranked one here, twenty there. <laughs> well, well, there's a disclaimer from one of the top showcase. What does it say on the bottom I and highlight? Read, oh, dude, well, I'm it old, says man. a large percentage like of players of ninety percent of the players that get ranked. They go to multiple events to get ranked higher. Sure, is a yeah. disclaimer on their website now, yeah. so you could get ranked. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. they, they're tied to the parents' asking, right. "Why is this kid well, ranked?" Good, good for that group because that that's clarity and that's telling you, listen, I'm I'm doing this for business and I'm doing this for subscription base and I want more. So if you go to more, you're going to get ranked. Yeah, you know, yeah. You spend more money and I'll and I'll move you up the list. And if that you know if that's going to help you get a date at the tennis camp, then good for you. Yeah, but yeah. The, <laughs> the, and I always laugh too because you know I, I think some of it is a false sense of what is going to end up in college, right? Like, I mean, yes. a good scholarship is 50% going in yeah. as a freshman. Like, it's yeah. a that's a really, really good yeah. scholarship, Go right? Go to Wake Forest when it's 70,000, yeah. and that's, you know, but, 35. But, somewhere in there, 37.5 or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like... Rato from I the mean, block, math. I mean, if I'm spending all this money as a kid's going through high school... I could have just put that money in my pocket and, right. and and yeah. paid for college. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Exactly. If the amount of, for, for the four years, the amount of money right. that you spend between showcases okay. and travel and everything else, you could save that money and two, put it. Two things there, right? No doubt. You could you could save money along the way and do it. The other part of it is where do you want your kid to be structure-wise? Right. And who do you want them to be around yeah. structure-wise? Because you know what? It may not work out, but you know what? A great experience his whole life. He was around people that, 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 you know, the game that gives you life lessons and then people that generally cared about him and mm -hmm. wanted, you know, wanted the best for those guys. Or you can go play for this coach that you don't even know that's writing your name on the lineup on the weekend. And he's like, what? I don't think I'll bet you six today or yeah. whatever. Or, you know, yeah. there's, there's no process to it. So, you know, but, but people are sold the fact that certain things you, you they think you have to do, they sell you. There's some great salespeople out there, man. That well, social media now, everything's at your fingertips. Yep. So every, everybody's yeah. watching it every single day, and they think. And then kids think that that's, 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 the, that's, that's success because yep. I got on social media and I'm ranked. That's not success. Nope. Okay? I tell people, like, like, you are nothing until you get paid in this game, and that's by a scholarship. Mm -hmm. or in pro ball. Mm -hmm. Up until that point when everybody's paying for you to play, you're nobody. You're well, nothing. That's you're the made, thing you know. where, where, where guys are being ranked and everyone's being talked about, right? So 
what you know, a catch like the pop times, right? Everybody says, "Oh, my catcher throws a one eight. My guy throws a one eight. You know, a catcher's a shutdown catcher when guys don't steal in the game. Uh-huh. They don't know what's a pop time. You know, guys on the mound who's throwing how many swings and misses he gets. That's a guy that's throwing gas. You don't need a radar gun or you don't need a ranking to say who's good or not Listen, good. If, mm-hmm. if, if, if he's on a digital time and he's running a sub seven, low sixes, that's that's a number, right? Mm-hmm. Pop times are subjective because kids don't understand how to cheat. There's yep. no hitter in that's there. Right. There's no game situation. So if, he, if the guy's telling me he pop times 1-8, Ivan Rodriguez pop time 1-8 every now and then in a game, yeah. but not consistently. Yep. It's 1-9 to twos and, yeah. you know, it's holding runners and it's a, it's a whole different program. But uh, – you know, velos across the diamond. I we I watched when Dylan went down to this, you know, to this this event, and I'm not going to blow these guys up. You know, I, I like them, but you know, I didn't like the event. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they're, they're clocking across the diamond, you know, throwing throwing the ball from an infield. And this one kid gets the ball, and he takes eight steps and just freaking sails it into the freaking <laughs> stands. Yeah. And it's you know he he lights up the you know the clock, and next thing you know, you look it's all over social media. Later, it's on social media. That's right. So that's exactly how. We have to reteach guys in the minor leagues. So we, like, I remember when I was in the minor leagues, we would get a clock out and say, all right, three, nine runner, grounder, out, yep. out, safe. We never clocked how fast the guy threw the ball yeah. one time ever. Yeah, it's ever. So, you know, it's out like, or safe. That's, that's all I want. So awesome. Is he out or is he safe? When Pat, when, when Pat was alive, right, yeah. uh, we, went down to, we went down to Florida to see Dusty in spring training and things like that. And he did it. You did a drill that I, that I absolutely loved. And he would do soft toss. Somebody would soft toss him, and he'd have his infielder out there. And he would, and it was games, game speed. Yeah. It wasn't like here's a fungo, you know, pick and go. Everything was game speed, game speed. You can't cheat and, on a step. Yeah. So that's what that's what these kids need to be taught right now. Like you know, um, Trent Mongero is a good friend, um, and you know, I, I saw a, something online with him, and he had a a horn, mm-hmm. boom, contact, and I think it was off a fungo man. And it was like a three nine. Uh, nope, beat it. Uh, so also yeah. now these kids have this kind of in their head like this horn's gonna go off. Boom, boom. You gotta you have know? that internal clock. Yeah, but now these guys pick it and mm-hmm. hop and hop and hop and hop. And the next thing you know, they sell it. And I tell you guys, you can take that kind of time, you're gonna sell a ball. You better get rid of it quick because if you sell it, you can go up and down and get the out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. But if you're gonna take time and sell it, mm-hmm. there's no way you're throwing anybody. I think out. they they put something on. Um, Social media the other day about JT, like they're saying that he doesn't throw the, he doesn't have the highest velocity to second, but it's quick. Like he skips the ball, like throws a one, a so short hop. JT's he's a fascinating person. He is yeah, he he's up there in velocity, but not the best. Realm Muto, but his, JT Realm yeah, yeah, JT Realm Muto. His, his uh, they the Statcast thing. So none of it's clocked anymore. It's all computerized, right? right. So his release time is like the fastest by far. And so we talked about bouncing it for him, too, and we talked about doing some things. And the reason he bounces a lot of them is, one, he does it on purpose, or if he doesn't get a good grip, he just gets on top of it and bounces it because even the middle infielders will tell you it's easier to long hop a tag than a short hop tag because we try to get him to come down and tag, but it's hard. But he's just trying to get it there as quick as he can. He said, I don't care how hard I throw it. I'm trying to get it there as quick as I can. So so that's that's what we work on, get it there as quick as you can. One of my autos was Thurman Munson. And if you go back and look at Thurman oh, Munson man. videos, he would he would take a throw and he would yeah. down here. It wasn't it wasn't mechanical like get up and go. Yeah. He would just release from all different points. Um, and and we got a we got a kid that that plays at our uh, on our 13U team, Satter, that does the same thing. And yeah. you know we talk about it. well he's not getting on top of dude. He's it's out of his glove and it's down there and he's throwing people out. It doesn't you know it doesn't have to be you know. It click, takes click, a lot so. longer for the ball, especially those kids when they get to. That's why that field's going to be beautiful when yeah. you get yeah. the, the middle yeah. field. Yeah, the kids that throw the ball in a loop to second base, 
versus a kid that one hops it. Yeah. But the kid, unless the kid's really ingrained in, hey, it's fine, it's good, let's do that, let's yeah. do that, let's do that. They, do, they want to get it there in the air, right? Yeah. But it takes so much more effort and it t totally changes their mechanics That's and everything. Right. So all the little kids, Throw it on two hops if you have to. Yeah. Just get it there as fast as you can. It's way faster and it's so going to be better for right. you This game on. keeps speeding up. Mm -hmm. It gets faster and faster. People don't realize that you go and watch a big league game, right? Game so and fast. everything is so smooth. These are, so, these are the greatest athletes in the world and they're gifted. You know, like we were talking with Todd, uh, Todd Friedman from Blast last week and talking about Corey Seager. Like, it looks like nothing happens quick. His swing is slow and fluid and all this. But if you put him on the, some of the data that they have, the rotational mm -hmm. speed is greater than everybody else. You know, and... So, but the game is going so fast and these guys are so fluid that you don't think it's that fast, mm -hmm. but it just keeps picking up. So when you're talking about throwing the ball down and hopping it, that's time, mm -hmm. time and distance, right? The runners gain in distance. Mm -hmm. You got to get it there in a certain time to beat it. You start to arc it and you're putting more time in your arc. He's gaining more time and mm -hmm. distance. So, you know, it's, it, it's explained to these kids, you don't have that is good. Put it on the bag. Let, mm -hmm. the, let the infielder take care of his Work, job yep. at the other end. Give him end. a chance to tag every time. Yeah, that's right. So, but it's, uh, it, the athletes at that level and, and you know watching queens out here um, I'm, I'm impressed i'm impressed with ross um what he's done here dust we'll go out and meet him you know mm -hmm. when we get when we get out of here um but you know watching these kids go through the preparation and understanding and when they, and i've watched these catches when they throw one down and boom boom and they're like good job Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't because you didn't get it in the air. Yeah. It's like it's not a, it's not a scarlet letter if you don't get it there in the air every time, as long as you get it there. Yeah, and, and we, you get we, it there. I'm telling you, we practiced. Uh, Andrew Knapp, who's been our backup the last couple of years, is actually probably his times a lot of times are quicker when he bounces it. The whole perception used to be, well, if it bounces, it slows the ball down and all that stuff, whatever. But if you don't have to think about being so accurate and just getting it down there. Uh, it can be quicker. I mean, it, it can definitely be quicker. And the, I'm telling you, the middle infielders love making that tag. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They like yeah. this tag rather than this tag or, or yeah. a, a ball sinking because it's hard to get the ball all the way there straight That's uh, four seam so without run. sinking yep. into yep. the runner yeah. or whatever like that. Yeah. We're also throwing to It's all different. We're throwing to a different spot now. You know, you don't throw the base anymore. You throw over here because yeah. of video and – Oh, listen, there, there, there is a, there's a lot of value to some of this data, and then yeah. I think that there's overkill. I mean, we had we had um, Todd Freeman in here with Blast Motion the other day, and, and he came by the house last night and put Dylan through it, you know, and it, it, there is some stuff now that, you know, we can, our eyes are trained to see certain things, but you're talking about, you know, uh, the difference between catching up to a fastball inside could be that much, and if he could speed up his hips or he could do something like that. So you're getting that data to develop the players, mm -hmm. right? You get a lot of data to play the game, not so much to develop, because the players at the big league level, they're supposed to be developed. Well, no, so they're not. Supposed though. to be. Yeah, <laughs> supposed to be is my yeah. point. They're not really, though. I mean, they're still all – and even if they are developed, they're trying to get a little bit better. Always. So so those guys, a lot of those guys are still using some of that data for yeah. it. And the, the good thing about that situation is you can use in-game data, right? Like, right. So that's yep. the real stuff. So if you go and throw a bullpen with a Rapsodo – and then you look at an in-game stuff, it's going to be different. There's right. Nobody throws 100% bullpen, right. plus adrenaline, plus hitters, plus all that stuff. So that's the benefit of having a place where there's, there's track man you know, in the stadium or whatever, things like that. The colleges have it now, and they're selling it to mm -hmm. scouts and all yeah. that stuff. So that, that's in-game data. That's not showcase how hard can I throw it data. Right. That's right. what's right. happening right. when the dude's trying to yeah. get me out. When you right. cross the line. So yeah. we, we've, seen, we've seen a lot of guys like that that – 
You put them into a showcase environment, and they are going to show out, man. Showcase, they're going to have great BP. Players. They're going to they're going to they're going to do everything right. Turn into a double play, or they can throw good from the outfield. And then you put then they cross the line called the white line fever, right? Either you you know you cross that line and you can't you can't handle the heat oh, yeah. that's in there, you know, and you can't play to the level of the speed of the game because you know as a middle infielder and like a catcher, right? You knew when a guy got on base who could run and who's going to run, yeah. right? So your energies and you amp up a little bit more. I would play the middle of the infield and you'd see, okay, this guy's in from the left side like a Juan Pierre or something like that. This guy's a jet, or I'd face an Ellis Burks from the right side. Like these guys are flying down the line, right? So. You know, I'm knowing already I'm prepped. Game situation, I'm, you're in it. This ball's hit to me. I got to go click, click. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't have to get it, hop up and see how hard I throw it. I just get it off and get it there. Mm-hmm. So to your point, you know, game data is always different than practice data. Uh, but there are some pieces now that we're starting to find out that help you develop and mm-hmm. then develop the, what you need to develop, and then it'll accelerate in the game because your energy level Well, to up. me, a lot of that data helps teach uh, it just it just helps teach, you know, like especially um, I think to collaborate with like with our R&D department and, and to collaborate with, you know, the vision of like, OK, the history I have in baseball of watching this happen. OK, is that right? Does that click with that data? Yeah, yeah. it does. OK, this guy might be able to look at the data, but can't look at like what's happening so, without the data right. and vice versa. Right. Like like so that's to me the beauty of all of this stuff right now is right. is you got a guy you got coaches that have experience and all this stuff and then they have, you throw some data with it and it's like okay now we can make players even better so right and those are those go ahead oh sorry uh so just to just to lead into this how does it work in it with the guys so a lot of guys that's getting hired on major league baseball are non-major league baseball guys you know what i mean they don't have any background in baseball so they're analytics they're data driven and then you have all the baseball experience how's the conversation where you know something in game like hey you might be showing me something on paper where, you know what, right, right is a good matchup, but hey, we got to feel that this guy's hot yeah. right now. So that's the, that's the whole, that's Joe Girardi is basically what it is because he's kind of an analytical guy. He takes all the stuff and, and puts all, puts it, like blends it together basically. So that's, that's where it all starts in the wintertime when we're having meetings, when we're doing all these calls and this is what I'm looking for, this is what I'm looking for, this is how we want our numbers to come out. So that's where that all, all stems from. But it's, it's, it's interesting because at, at a certain point, experience is very valuable. Well, yeah. there's another point where people don't think experience is valuable. You just need to know the numbers. Right. Well, in my opinion, if you can do both, right. then you're the elite so, of the elite. But you need to have an organization that allows a manager to do that. Right. So you have push-button managers out there. That, that this there's is, some organizations you know, that like are Some organizations like, this is what the numbers say, and this is how you're going to mm-hmm. play it. And I think a year before this last, or the, when the World Series was before with the Dodgers, I think Roberts got in trouble with that a little yeah, bit two because years he ago. went yep. that route. And and it, you know, as a baseball guy in his heart, he's looking at this going, this ain't, you know, I, 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 this, I don't have the feel for this, but the numbers say, and that's what the front office is telling me to do, and I got to go This past World Series uh, with Tampa Bay. Oh, with uh, game, oh, yeah, game six. Oh, yeah, yeah, take a snell out. But I think, I think it's starting to, to come back a little bit towards the middle. Right. Like, I think it went way one side yeah. for a little while, and it's starting yeah. to come back to the middle. That's good. I mean, you're looking at, at who – just took over for us, Dave Dombrowski. I mean, yeah. the guy's been He's in the game forever. forever. Um, you know, yeah. now our our GM is Sam Fold, a former player. Three years ago, he was playing. Sam went to Stanford, played in the big leagues for eight years, nine years, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Jorge Valandi is assistant GM now, grinded out, first Venezuelan uh, assistant general manager ever, born nice. in Venezuela. Um, you're starting to see baseball come people back coming back more to the middle, right? Yeah. There's still 
those people that are, are analytical right. and, and the guys that went to Princeton, all that stuff. But I think to blend them together is the perfect, whoever blends them the, together the best. is yeah. going to be the best. Now. Absolutely. Be the best. I think Schilt has done that. I think yeah, my, and I think sure. he's done a really good job at that. Yeah. With, uh, and well, I Schilt, think he's not the, a baseball player. No. I mean, you know what I mean? He'd well, tell yeah. you, like, I, I played, but I wasn't any good. You right. Know what I mean? Baseball right. mind, yeah. Right. I mean, but yeah. he, he's... He's, but he has a feel for the game, and no it's a different thing. There's, no, you gotta, no you gotta have a feel that. for what's going on in the field. And he, but there's not many guys that got to the big leagues as a manager no, like he no. did, like yep. managed all the way up through the minor leagues and all that stuff. Right. And he did it, and yeah. that's where he learned how to run a game you and know, how to do all those things. Again, you, you coach a lot in the, in, the minor, in, in, in the minor league level. There's a there's a there's a relationship too, and there's a belief in the player, mm -hmm. right, that the manager has to have to get the most out of a player. It's not like, hey, dude, I like you, but you know the numbers say, and this isn't happening. Because the next time that comes out, then you, you you've you've lost that mm -hmm. that 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 personal that personal piece with them. Um, do, do the Phillies still have a fourteen analytics guys, or are they? Yeah, no, we, still, we we it's it's always the same. It's just it's used in so many different ways. I mean, I guess the fallacy of everything is that our analytics guys work for not only the baseball department but the business side too. You know, so they're figuring out like. If we get X amount of people in, how much money are they going to make, and what do we need? To, can we spend mm. that money on here? I mean, so we have a big baseball analytics section too, but there's so many things to do. I mean, and try to figure out. So, you, like to, to his point, you ever have a conversation with the, one of these analytics guys and go, just like, dude, you know, <laughs> can you throw the intangible in there or something, or are well, they just so kind we of talk like, about the luck factor, like, yeah. like, like we we had a whole conference call, uh, Zoom meeting or whatever you want to call it, this winter on how do you predict like when a guy's hot and when a guy's not like like I can say from being a former player that I could go up to the plate against anybody in certain points of my career and I'm getting a hit I'm gonna yeah. hit the ball hard every right. time I could also tell you I could go up there <laughs> and never touch a ball for a week, <laughs> yeah. right and yeah. and how do you put that into yeah this guy's a 270 hitter against this kind of pitcher yeah like we need to figure that out and right. so that's like okay well, let's do a project let's try to figure out okay you know this guy had this many days off. At what point does you know they? That's their job is to go in and yeah. just try to figure all these right. things out. What can we add to the? Yeah. You know what can we add a little bit of this? Add a little bit of this to the oh. equation and then figure out like that luck factor. It's or like, like Tommy Lasorda putting Kirk Gibson in the ninth inning off of uh, off the bench, Exeter. man, yeah. off the off. training table. One of the greatest yeah, stuff. like you know that's not ha you know that's yeah. luck factor, right? That's just yeah. a gut feeling. Lasorda said, "Hey, go up there and just swing as hard as you can." Yeah, I mean you're also you know you're gonna put a lefty against Eckersley and not put a righty up against Eckersley. Yep. So you, you know I mean we've always had this kind. Of data, we've just never had it presented to us a certain right. way, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we should, you guys don't even take in and out in front of the in front of the fans anymore, right? I mean, we should take in and out before every game. So, like you're saying, after BP, here come all the fans. One team goes out, you take your in and out. And so, as as, as you know, a guy that was going to pinch run as a utility man in the big leagues, I was going to pinch run or be on. I would go out and I'd watch the outfielders and I'd create my own data. Okay, that guy, you know, he, he doesn't miss the cutoff, man. Yeah. He puts it on. See, now you don't have to do that. Now you can watch in-game data on video See, on that's, your iPad yeah. while you're sitting and having having coffee at 10 o'clock in the morning. Milkshake. Milkshake <laughs> in the back. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? So that's right. so like that's, that's the difference between <clears throat> planes now and planes when you played. Right. Planes so, now is our catchers have their iPads out and are yeah, looking at the next so, series and that, and they're figuring things out on on they're already game planning for the next series. Yep. See, and, that's that's the tough part because everybody is all these kids coming through right now are relying on somebody else. Yeah. Okay, they're relying on their dad to get them in to get them on the team. They're relying on um, this coach or whatever, where we, you know, and I'm proud of the fact that, you know, we, we had to figure things out on our own a lot, 
right? And even figure things out in game. Like, yeah, this guy's late. I'm going to make a move. I didn't have the chart going. He's usually going to be late on this one. You saw it. You watched his hands. You did whatever. So now it's, you know, everything is provided to be successful. Well, we had to go ahead and, and you know, pan for gold to be, you know, to be <laughs> successful. But that's why, that's why I think today, like, to be elite, you're that guy. Right. Like, right. There's a lot of really good so athletes. So you can process everything that's given to you, and you can, you can hybrid it. Exactly. And you can still be the athlete reactionary. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it helps the scenario. There's, it helps the situation when the scenario is there's over 12 million things that could happen in a nine-inning yeah. baseball game. It's bizarre, right? And we're in a game of anticipation. But now you're taking it down to, you know, 11-5 because now you have all this data that's going to help you out. But you still have right. over 11 million different things that could take place. And that athlete has to be able to process it. It can't be cookie cutter. It can't be, you know, the, the best infielders in the game. When I was playing, I say the best infielders in the game. The guys that played the game the right way was a ball in the gap, right? And all of a sudden, so you take off, you know that you know you know the speed of the runner at the plate, mm -hmm. you know the speed of the ball, you know the guy that's gonna throw it, and you're taking this throw, not even, you can't see it, you just know that he's rounding second, going to third, yep. and you're gonna come up and go. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. though I don't know that those things are always processed. I don't see that many athletes that can do that. I saw, I saw better baseball players in amateur levels when I was growing up, then I see better baseball players in amateur levels now because it's got to have well, a coach, got to have because yeah, you, you you don't you don't you don't play wiffle ball in the backyard. Exactly. You don't do that. Yep. You also don't have team practices. That's yeah. true. I mean, yep. I grew up having team practices all the yep. time. Like, yep. I mean, nobody has, we do. I'm but very rarely. Yeah. I mean, most of the kids that we get, I'll, I'll ask yep. them like, like you played college, whatever. Yeah. When did you? Well, yeah, we had team practice in college. Well, what about high school? So if you get a high school yeah, kid, yeah. a lot of times they're like, we didn't like. Yeah, there are some there are some good guys in this area though that, that run good high school. Oh, no doubt is about one that. of them. But Bagwell, you know, but Travis Pool, those guys run, you know. But there's a lot of kids. But that, there's that, more that don't yeah. run a good practice. Yeah, or those kids don't go to practice very right. often. They're just going to showcase yeah. stuff. They're going, yeah. you know, instead of going to practice this week, I'm going to be in Florida yeah. Yeah. Uh, with a bunch of guys from Texas and yeah, all over the country. I was with yeah. my instructor and I'm ready to go yeah. now. Well, how about the guy that, you know, I, I need a tune up. Can I get a lesson before the game? Like yeah. one lesson is going to make you. Yeah. Yeah, I went over four yesterday. I need a, yeah, I need a tune up I, I before next game. He needs a tune up. I don't know what's going on. I needed know. a milkshake. So exactly. <laughs> all right. Where are we at, Andrew? Uh, we're at hour 30. Oh, geez. Oh we pushed that one. So all right, real quick, let's, uh, I want to acknowledge uh, EA Sportsfield, Eddie Buskey, easportsfield.com, right, yeah. Andrew? Um, built our fields out here. You got a field that needs to be worked on, built, you name it. Like you, you got to reach out to to, to Eddie and and, and get him on your uh, get him on your list. Um, Architect Sports, Alan Tyson and his crew over there, uh, taking care of our guys forever. Um, just a tremendous company, sports performance, rehab. Um, Todd, uh, Todd Freeman for coming out to my Blast house motion. last night and do Blake came to my house last night and we took Dylan through the blast motion. And I was like, I was like, Oh my God, I told him I'm intimidated, man. There's like, you know, he's like, go this way and do this and get this done. And I'm like, you know, and Zach went in and told Amanda, like, I think dad's, it's over his head. <laughs> dad's burnt out right now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so we appreciate everybody that gets behind us. I know there's other people and we'll get to them, you know, USA travel baseball, Todd Miller and those guys are big supporters and, uh, Trent Mongero and Trotsky. I'm going to be on Trotsky's show tonight oh, at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Oh, cool. So that's that's pretty cool. I'm excited about that. And then Thursday, we're going to have Ross Steedley in here. Nice. The, his first head coaching job uh, in college baseball. He's been an assistant, and he's done a great job with these kids out here. So um, I don't know. You got anything? 
Just make sure if you want to watch uh, Ross Daily Thursday, follow and put the notification bell on so you get notifications when we go live. And also, they're playing. They play live. They, their first home game Sunday. is on Sunday out here. Nice. Doubleheader. What so, time? Uh, uh, go to their website at baseball. Russell, tell us on Thursday yeah. what, time, yeah. what, what time the game is. But you want to see really good baseball, and it's time you get your Jones in. Um, yeah. You know, get out here and watch uh, Queens Division Two baseball. It's, it's extremely competitive. So um, that's it, man. Yeah. You good? Yeah, Ray, good. Thanks for the uh, the body armor. Dusty said you were going to bring him some, but you've been <laughs> you've been, you've been ganking him too. I, I, so yeah. that's why I was running late today. I was trying to go to the he storage. Runs late unit. every day, <laughs> every no, time. You twenty minutes late last day. I had business. <laughs> business. I was doing business. business. <laughs> <laughs> I had business to do. So, but we appreciate everybody listening. Listen, like this show, share it. Uh, we Follow, have a good time. Yep. A lot of laughs. This is tremendous, Dusty. Uh, we appreciate it. We got a whole list of guests now. We have a whole new mic system. Absolutely. Uh, we'll have the call-ins. We're going to go to a two-camera system pretty soon. So yep. we're getting all oh, getting teched out. Like you got to have people come well, up on the you, screen. If you talk, then it can boom. And then we got the babe. And the babe. Yeah. So knock yeah. on that guy. Knock. Yeah. Him. No, I see. He's, he was around before, wasn't he? Wasn't no, no. no. I remember at the uh, at the auction one year. At at the at the ballpark downtown at Knight Stadium, oh, whatever it's called. Remember, he was there. Was he there? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think but he we was there one year. Yeah. Well, he's we he's, were laughing he's here the other day because we had Andrew and I had to go pick him up, and he separates, right? Yeah. So we had him strapped in the back seat like he was in a child seat, and he's, we're driving down the road, and he's like, he's, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, turn, yeah. turn left. Yeah, it was yeah. great. So, but thank you, Dusty. You Appreciate it. it. Best luck this year. To the season. Thank you. It's exciting, and uh, you know, you guys get call in this summer. Yeah. Man, yeah. You, we got you on there, dude. There you go. Yeah, if you're bored, you just do it. Let us have it. So we appreciate everybody uh, listening to the Schaefer Baseball Report, and peace out. Peace out.